MSW Media. Thanks to MedCline for supporting The Daily Beans. If you suffer from shoulder pain or nighttime acid reflux or both, then MedCline is right for you. Get 20% off and a better night's sleep today at MedCline.com slash Daily Beans. And thanks to Splendid Spoon for supporting The Daily Beans. Splendid Spoon sends delicious plant-based meals and snacks designed to fit into your busy schedule instead of taking time out of it. Get started today and get $120 off your first three boxes at SplendidSpoon.com slash Daily Beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, September 28th, 2022. Today, the 1-6 committee postpones today's hearing citing Hurricane Ian. The Department of Justice seeks a writ of replevin in a summary judgment motion to get presidential records back from Pete Navarro. Trump's $3 million lawyer, Chris Kyes, has been benched in the classified documents case. John Eastman asks the court to prevent the January 6th committee from getting more Chapman University server emails. Attorney General Ken Paxton ducked a process server with a subpoena for federal court. The man who helped assault Officer Fanone is sentenced to 86 months in federal prison. Two more January Sixers are convicted on all counts. Merrick Garland announces that the DEA has seized 10 million fake fentanyl pills and nearly 1,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. Special Master Judge Deary calls out Judge Cannon for unclear orders, and she backhandedly fixes her error. The E. Jean Carroll case is headed back to the D.C. court. The Department of Justice asks for an extension to the Special Master's third-party vendor order because none of them wanted to work with Donald. And Jeffrey Clark loses his bid to postpone his disbarment probe while he's under federal criminal investigation. I'm your host, Allison Gill. I'll be honest, y'all, it was tough to keep up with all the news today. I think we just set a record for number of headlines in the introduction. A couple of quick things. The January 6th committee has postponed its hearing today because of Hurricane Ian. And uh, to all our friends in the path of Hurricane Ian in Florida, please get out if you can. And above all, please stay safe. Merrick Garland announced today one of the biggest drug busts in history that included 386 separate investigations over 200 cities in all 50 states that resulted in the seizure of 10 million fake fentanyl pills and nearly 1,000 pounds of fentanyl powder. I do not know what was in the fake fentanyl pills, but excellent work. However, that's not all the DOJ did today. For more, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, before I get into the hot notes, just a brief thing. I just want to let you know, Dana is traveling today. Uh, She had a thing she needed to get to, so I just wanted to let you all know she'll be back tomorrow, and she misses you and loves you. All right, big day in court for the Department of Justice in three cases of January 6th insurrectionists. First, the sentencing of Kyle Young. He's the guy who handed the taser to the rioter who then shoved it into the neck of Officer Mike Fanone. Kyle Young is also the guy who pointed at Fanone's gun and said, kill him with his own gun. This is the guy that brought his 16-year-old to the insurrection with him, too. And Amy Berman, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, had some choice words for both Young and Donald Trump today. This is from Kyle Cheney at Politico. A federal judge delivered a blistering rebuke of Republican Party leaders Tuesday for what she said was a cynical attempt to stoke false claims of election fraud of the kind that fueled the January 6th attack on the Capitol. This is U.S. District Court Judge Amy Berman Jackson said former President Donald Trump had turned his lies about the election into a litmus test for Republican candidates and that high ranking members of Congress and state officials are so afraid of losing their power that they won't contradict him. 
That fealty, she said, comes even as law enforcement and judges involved in cases related to the former president are facing unprecedented threats of violence. It's up to the judiciary, she said, to help draw the line against those dangers. Quote, the judiciary has to make it clear. It is not patriotism. It is not standing up for America to stand up for one man who knows full well that he lost instead of the Constitution he was trying to subvert. That's what Jackson said, who was appointed by President Barack Obama. In addition, Jackson said Trump and his allies are using rhetoric about the multiple criminal probes connected to Trump that contain dangerous undertones. She said some prominent figures in the GOP are cagely predicting or even outright calling for violence in the streets if one of the multiple investigations doesn't go his way. The judge's tough remarks came as she delivered a sentence to January 6th defendant Kyle Young, who I mentioned earlier. He pled guilty to assaulting Officer Fanone in some of the most brutal violence that occurred during the attack on the Capitol. Jackson sentenced Young to 86 months in prison. That is one of the stiffest sentences handed down after describing his enthusiastic participation in the mob violence against Fanone, including passing the taser to another rioter who used it on his neck. Young, she noted, was accompanied by his 16-year-old son. But her most notable comments were directed not at Young, but at Trump and GOP leaders themselves, describing them repeatedly as so beholden to one man that it has become heresy for Republicans to contradict his claims of fraud. Quote, you were not prosecuted for being a Trump supporter. You were not arrested or charged, and you will not be sentenced for exercising your First Amendment rights. You are not a political prisoner. You were trying to stop the singular thing that makes America, America, the peaceful transfer of power. That's what stop the steal meant. Very strong words. And in another case, U.S. District Judge Rudolph Contreras issued his verdict Tuesday in the bench trial of Kyle Fitzsimmons. Bench trial means you choose to have a judge decide instead of a jury. But this judge found him guilty on seven felonies and four misdemeanors, all 11 counts. Fitzsimmons was charged with civil disorder, obstructing an official proceeding, assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers during the melee outside the Capitol, when scores of Trump supporters, angry over the results of the election, overwhelmed law enforcement and breached the building. Congress was forced to stop certifying Biden's electoral win as lawmakers evacuated or sheltered in place. Contreras' decision comes more than a month after the government rested its case on August 19th. According to a report from local CBS affiliate WUSA, the judge had asked the parties to submit legal briefings on two issues, the authentication of open source videos submitted by the government and Fitzsimmons' claim that when he threw his bow at D.C. police officer Sarah Beaver. Fitzsimmons had previously waffled on whether to have a jury trial or a bench trial before Contreras, who is an Obama appointee. It's unclear, however, whether Fitzsimmons, or it might be Fitzsimons, would have fared better before a jury. Prosecutors have won verdicts in all January 6th jury cases so far, and all but two bench trials have similarly resulted in full convictions. Only U.S. District Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee, has issued acquittals, one partial and one full, in cases where defendants have been charged just with misdemeanors. One of the officers Fitzsimmons is accused of assaulting is Sergeant Gunnell, friend of mine. He testified at his trial. He said that he was able to identify Fitzsimmons, who was wearing what had been described as a butcher's jacket with Kyle emblazoned in blue near the left side lapel because no one else was wearing a white jacket at the time. Gunnell testified that Fitzsimmons grabbed his riot shield shoulder strap, forced him to the ground and tried to drag him into the crowd. He said that as a result of his injuries, he is in the process of being medically retired from his job as an officer. Contreras set Fitzsimmons' sentencing for February 17th of next year, more than two years after his February 4th arrest. DOG noted that Fitzsimmons technically faces more than 90 years in prison, but the lengthiest sentence handed out so far is just 10 years. 
90 years is the statutory maximum. That will be, the sentence and guidelines will be much lower. And in a third case, underwear model and hobby fascist, I guess, John Strand of Florida was also convicted on all counts by a jury today. Strand was found guilty on a felony charge of obstructing an official proceeding, as well as misdemeanor offenses of entering and remaining in restricted grounds, disorderly and disruptive conduct, disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, and parading, demonstrating, or picketing in the Capitol building. Strand is to be sentenced on January 12th of next year. The felony charge carries a statutory maximum of 20 years in prison. That's 1512C2, ding, ding, ding. And potential financial penalties as well. The four misdemeanor offenses carry a combined statutory maximum of three years of incarceration and potential financial penalties. The court will determine any sentence after considering the U.S. sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. Garland's batting a thousand, y'all. All right, now let's head down to Mar-a-Lago and talk about Special Master Judge Deary, who Trump asked for and now must pay for. First up, Deary told Judge Cannon today to reinstate part of an order that she struck from her original stupid findings. Quote, In the original appointing order, you directed that the special master shall submit interim reports and recommendations as appropriate. Upon receipt and resolution of any interim reports, the court will consider prompt adjustments to the court's orders as necessary. That was what she said. However, Deary said, you later struck that language as part of your order implementing an unrelated ruling by the 11th Circuit. That's what you made a mistake. As the language quoted above as to interim reports and adjustments to prior orders is consistent with the 11th Circuit's ruling and the efficient administration of your appointing order, please reinstate that language. Now, in that same order from Deary, he gave Donald an additional week to respond to the government's newly revised and more detailed inventory of what they took from Trump's house. Now, originally, Donald had until September 30th to respond to that inventory. But because the the revision actually differs a little bit from the original inventory in that it's way more detailed. And because of that, Deary says you can have until October 7th now instead of September 30th to respond just to that. Now, his response to whether any of the documents were planted by the FBI or whether he declassified anything, that's still due on Friday, September 30th. But back to Deary asking Cannon to reinstate her language, instructing him to submit interim reports and recommendations. Within a couple hours, Judge Cannon issued a paperless order saying, no, I'm not gonna, because other parts of my order authorize you to do interim reports and recommendations. Now, that's kind of a pissy bitch thing to say. And she's wrong, because the language in the other part of her order that she's referring to, it, it does talk about interim reports, but it doesn't authorize recommendations. But anyway, now Deary has it written in a paperless order that he can make those recommendations and file interim reports. Basically, That means Cannon can't fire him for doing what she asked. And in other special master news, the Department of Justice has written a letter to Judge Deary. Remember how I said Judge Deary's schedule was moving fast? And he only wanted like a day or two to get a third-party vendor. The DOJ is actually asking for another day to secure a third-party vendor. That's somebody to provide a secure digital portal so that all the parties can use it to share documents for review. Well, Donald has to pay for that vendor, whoever it ends up being. And as it turns out, none of the five recommended vendors wanted to work with Donald. So Department of Justice is asking for a little bit more time to secure one, reiterating that Donald is responsible for the bill. Nobody wants to work with Donald because he doesn't pay his fucking bills. So now DOJ says, we'll we'll do the contract. We'll contract a vendor. But we still expect Donald to pay for it. He wanted this. He asked for all this. In that same letter, the DOJ addressed some Trump objections that were we haven't seen 
Like he wrote a letter objecting to stuff, but I guess that was under seal. So we haven't seen those, but we can extrapolate by the response from the DOJ here what he was objecting to. And this is from Marcy Wheeler on Twitter. He seems to be objecting to having to file a response to the more detailed inventory in a week. He wants more time. He also seems to suggest Deary's plan goes against Judge Cannon's order because Deary splits out executive privilege and attorney-client privilege. Trump also seems to object to responding to whether he needs to file a 41G motion with Cannon or with Reinhardt. And the Department of Justice says, fine, dude, we'll brief it without you. So that's what's going on in Special Masterland, a magical place Trump hates, but one that he himself drove us to. <laughs> so, ha <laughs> ha. Next up, let's talk about the fraudulent elector scheme because we have updates on Eastman, Clark, and Navarro. Oh my. Let's start with a new legal term I learned this week, a writ of replevin. The Justice Department has asked a judge to order former Trump White House trade advisor Pete Navarro to return federal records they say he wrongfully kept after leaving the administration, stuff that falls under the Presidential Records Act. The Department of Justice's aggressive move seeks to bring a quick resolution in their lawsuit filed against Pete earlier this year in yet another records dispute where the administration maintains the Trump White House inappropriately handled their official records. Shocker. Quote, there is no genuine dispute of fact that Dr. Navarro used at least one unofficial email account to conduct official business, that those records are property of the U.S., and that Dr. Navarro has refused to return the records to the United States. Indeed, his counsel has expressly admitted as much. That's what the Justice Department lawyers wrote on Monday night. Because Dr. Navarro remains in possession of property that belongs to the United States, that they agree belongs to the United States, this court should issue a writ of replevin requiring Dr. Navarro to return what he wrongfully continues to possess. Writ of replevin is return my shit. That's what that is. The Navarro dispute, which is separate from his criminal contempt of Congress case, deals with emails he sent while working in the White House on the coronavirus pandemic. Justice Department said Navarro used a private email account, Proton Mail, to conduct presidential business, such as the need for ventilators, the creation and deployment of National Guard-based rapid response teams, and the use of hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID. Now, because of a House committee investigation, the National Archives realized it was not in possession of the Navarro emails. That was the subcommittee on, on COVID. So... I think the court might actually enter a writ of replevin. I've never heard of this before. I guess it's a very rare remedy. And now, on to Eastman, who is still trying to prevent the January 6th committee from getting more of his emails that he sent using the Chapman University server. It was that case that Judge Carter came back and said, hey, you, John Eastman and Trump, you both committed 18 U.S. Code 371 and 1512C2. That's what that came from. They found at least one email that was subject to the crime fraud exception. Well, the 1-6 committee wants more now that they've done a little more investigating. And this is from Megan Kuniff at Law and Crime. In a short filing Monday, Eastman's lawyer said they'll produce 18 of 576 documents requested by the committee, but they believe the remaining 558 are protected through previous orders because they are attorney work product. By the way, none of his shit was ended up being attorney work product except for like eight pages, I think. Most are part of an email chain, U.S. District Judge David O. Carter, who's based in the Central District of California, Santa Ana Courthouse, previously blocked from the committee or are very similar. The few documents not falling in either of these categories are mostly clear cases of work product. For example, a draft filing transmitted with attorney edits. That's according to the brief from Charles Burnham, a lawyer with Burnham and Gorakoff, uh, I believe, in Washington, D.C., that's um, Eastman's attorney. 
The filing begins a briefing schedule that Judge Carter sets on September 15th, but said could be skipped if both Eastman's counsel and January 6th committee counsel agreed come to an agreement. So, interesting. House General Counsel Doug Letter now has until next Monday to respond to Eastman's argument that Carter shouldn't allow the committee to see the 558 documents. Now, y'all need to follow Megan Kunif if you're not already on Twitter and kick a couple of bucks to law and crime if you're able. Now, finally, let's go over to Jeffrey Clark. Remember how he asked the disbarment people to stop disbarring him? He asked for a deferment on his disbarment (laughs) until he was done being criminally investigated. He's like, look, can you guys just stop disbarring me for a minute? I'm being criminally investigated. This was somebody who Donald Trump wanted to be the attorney fucking general. Well, quote, pending before the board, our respondents request for a deferral under board rule 4.2 disciplinary counsel's opposition and the recommendation of the hearing committee chair that respondents request for deferral be denied. Signed Lucy Pittman, chair of the board of professional responsibility. Lulz. All right. We're not done with MAGA lawyers yet. The newest addition to former President Trump's legal team, Chris Kyes, has been sidelined from the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation less than a month after he was brought on to represent Trump in the matter. Kyes is expected to remain on Trump's legal team, but is not leading the work related to the federal government's investigation into how the former president handled 11,000 documents seized from his house in August following a lengthy effort by the government to retrieve them. The reason for the shift in Kyes' role remains unclear, he may instead focus his efforts on other investigations Trump is facing, with, which range from his business practices to the January 6th insurrection. He's under like nine different investigations. The move is notable, given Kyes, the former Solicitor General of Florida, was brought onto the team after a weeks-long search and struggle to find anyone willing to take the case who was also experienced in Florida law. The legal strategy for fighting the Justice Department following the August seizure of over 100 documents marked as classified was also in disarray. Kaiser's hiring came with an unusual price tag of $3 million, paid for by Trump's outside spending arm, probably the Save America PAC. The retainer fee paid up front raised eyebrows among other lawyers on Trump's team, given the former president has developed a reputation for not paying his legal fees. <laughs> Why does he get money up front? Why does he get $3 million? That's got to cause a little infighting. His sidelining will likely be read as another setback for Trump as he faces multiple investigations. My guess as to why Kai's has been benched with $3 million bench warmer, provided Donald's $3 million check cleared, and that no one cares that Kai's is a registered foreign agent for the Maduro regime, I bet Kai's won't do what Donald wants. He won't tell the court Donald declassified documents when he didn't. He won't tell Judge Deary that the FBI planted documents, which they didn't. He's not going to lie for Trump to the court. Either that or Donald's mad that Kai's recommended Deary in the first place. <laughs> Either way, Donald has a habit of sidelining lawyers that don't go along with his criminal bullshit. Like Pat Philbin or Patsy Baloney or Eric Hirschman, for example. Any lawyer that doesn't crime for him gets disinvited to his party. All right, next up, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton fled his home in a truck driven by his wife, State Senator Angela Paxton. And he did that to avoid being served a subpoena Monday according to an affidavit filed in federal court. Ernesto Martin Herrera, a process server, was attempting to serve the state's top attorney with a subpoena for a federal court hearing Tuesday in a lawsuit from nonprofits that want to help Texans pay for abortions out of state. Later on Monday, Paxton filed two requests, a motion to quash the subpoena and another to seal the certificates of service, which included the affidavit from a process server. 
His lawyers argued that the server loitered at his home for an hour, repeatedly shouted at him and accosted him and his wife. U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman granted both requests early Tuesday, hours after the affidavit had been published. (laughs) Paxton went on Twitter saying he was scared for his safety by the process server. So he sends his wife? Real alpha move, Paxton. Somebody put that dude in jail already. And a federal appeals court panel on Tuesday asked D.C.'s highest court to decide whether Donald Trump was acting within the scope of his job as president when he denied rape allegations dating back to the 90s, a pivotal question that will determine whether E. Jean Carroll can keep pursuing a defamation lawsuit against him. Now, this could all change when E. Jean's lawyer, Robbie Kaplan, files under New York law in November and is going to try to combine those cases, I believe. I'll keep you posted. E. Jean is optimistic, and so am I. All right, we'll be right back with the good news. Thanks for making it through all those headlines with me. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Summer's ending. Fall is here. Marks the start of back-to-busy season. And with so much on your plate, the last thing you need is more grocery shopping or dirty dishes. That's why I use Splendid Spoon. Splendid Spoon has over 50 ready-to-eat meals for you to choose from that get shipped right to your front door. You can easily customize your meal plan to fit your schedule. Plus, their delicious food is made with real ingredients and spices that are 100% plant-based, gluten, GMO-free, gluten-free, with plenty of vegetables, legumes, healthy fats, whole grains, and spices from around the world. Eating plant-based food can have benefits like improved energy, sleep, digestion, focus, complexion, all the things. Now, with my busy schedule, Splendid Spoon gives me the time back that I would normally spend on meal planning, meal prep, grocery shopping, cleaning up. And these plant-based meals are absolutely delicious. One of my favorite, the creamy mushroom and spinach noodle dish with peas and parsley. It's so good. It's so rich. You have to try it. It's so filling and wonderful. So fuel up for busy days with Splendid Spoon. Get started today. You'll get $120 off your first three boxes at splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans. That's $120 off at splendidspoon.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by MedKline. I used to be one of the 70 million Americans suffering from sleep problems. I tried countless solutions, and the best thing I found for my shoulder was MedKline. If you suffer from shoulder pain because you're a side sleeper, or or you have nighttime acid reflux and GERD, or both, the MedKline patented pillow system is designed to cushion your body in a sleeping position that is supremely comfortable. As soon as I hit the MedKline pillow, I'm instantly asleep. It's doctor-recommended, clinically proven to provide effective acid reflux and shoulder pain relief, helping you get a better night's sleep. In fact, 95% of patients reported an overall improvement in sleep quality when using MedKline. MedKline sleep systems are true medical devices. They're not just foam wedges. They are FDA-registered, doctor-recommended, clinically proven to provide relief. The patented arm pocket allows for comfortable side sleeping the entire night, and you're enveloped in side sleeping comfort. You just put your arm through the thing. It's got like a... It's got like a compartment for your arms so your shoulders can remain straight. It's absolutely wonderful. I can't recommend it enough. MedKline's medical-grade gel-infused foam is built to last. It is cooling. It provides cooling comfort and exceptional night's sleep for anyone using it. For those that also suffer from acid reflux and heartburn, MedKline's relief system is proven to reduce exposure to harmful stomach acid 87% better than just a bed wedge. So put an end to your nighttime discomfort. You can rediscover a good night's sleep with MedKline. Right now, you can get 20% off. 20% off when you go to MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. Again, that's 20% off and a better night's sleep today with MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. That's M-E-D-C-L-I-N-E dot com slash Daily Beans for 20% off. MedKline.com slash Daily Beans. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. 
in your near. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, where we try to guess very badly and ineptly what uh, what kind of breeds are in your rescue dog. Uh, or if you want to tell me about something your kids said that was hilarious or shit you've said or shit your parents have said. Uh, Halloween photos, any holiday photos, photos of your happy place, adoptable pets in your area, anything you want to send in, good news related, a shout out to your spouse or a special person, send it to us by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. First up, quick correction from Stephanie on Patreon. David Bowie's eyes were the same color, but one had an enlarged pupil. Sorry for leading you astray on that. Can I? <laughs> okay, so the Bowie thing was an was an ins- insert from our producer, Kanai, and uh, somebody is correcting Kanai. So there you go. Bowie's eyes were the same color. He had one enlarged pupil. Um, next up from Denise, she and her, AG, I took your advice and I went and listened to Charismatic Megaplastics. I probably shouldn't have listened to it while I was in public walking the dogs, LOL. It's now days later and I'm still randomly giggling. Laughter is so good for the soul. Pet tax, Finney says hi. Oh my God, look at this beautiful baby. <gasps> Smiling and excited. Oh, and I love the orange wall too. Very good color. What a beautiful baby. Yeah, and if y'all haven't listened to Charismatic Megaplastics, which is our January 5th, 2021 episode, I highly recommend it. Next up from Anonymous. No pronouns given. Hi, Beans Queens. Just wanted to say thanks for the great podcast. This may not sound like good news, but it is. Anonymous, this happens all the time. It doesn't start out good, but it ends up wonderful. Anonymous says, I'm laying in bed recovering from a deviated septum surgery, trying not to laugh hard with you guys. Can't wait to listen all week. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I've included my sweet 10-year-old Clara, pug beagle, baby daddy, as pet tax and crazy tinker, crazy tinker too, mutt. Funny thing, when we adopted Clara, she was named Clarice. That lasted about a day of me quoting Silence of the Lambs before my wife had had enough. (laughs) Clarice. Look at these angels. What good dogs on their dog beds. Oh, I I love that little potbelly stove. That's so cute. With the dog laying right in front, all warm. Heck yeah. All right, next up from Elizabeth, she and her. Hello, I have a sad but good story and a shout out about an angel named Linda. On Monday night, I had to run a quick errand and chanced upon a little dog sitting in the road. He'd been struck by a car and he couldn't use his back legs. I picked him up and put him in my car. I'm still a bit new to this community, so I took him to the only person I could think of who worked with dogs in the county, Linda. I last saw her three years ago when we adopted our sweet dog, Maya, but she graciously opened the door to me and agreed to take the little dog in. She was already planning to go to the vet the next morning with some other dogs, and she said she would take him too. The little guy didn't make it, but she told me she had taken him to bed with her. So his last night was one of warmth, comfort, and love. God bless Linda, who is willing to open her door late at night to a near stranger and take in a little fur baby in distress. Oh, my goodness. I asked her what she needs for the dog rescue group which is called Partners for Pets in Allendale, South Carolina. She said they're overcrowded with dogs, and to let folks know, they have over 40 dogs ready for adoption, especially for people who love pitties and pibbles and pitbull mixes. Allendale is an under-resourced community right down to the animal shelter. They sure could use a shout-out to anyone looking to adopt a pup, and if you feel generous, cash donations. They will adopt out of state. Thanks for all you do. Pet taxes are sweet Maya, a lab and pity mix, we think. (laughs) Maya loves absolutely everybody she encounters. 
be they dog, human, cat, spider, whatever. She has the goodest heart ever. The link um, to this wonderful rescue will be in the show notes. Oh, and look at this baby. Look at this pibble mix. Doing the upside down, you know, on their back, showing the belly. So cute. Thank you for that submission. And thank you, Linda, for your work. Next up from Katie, pronoun she and her. I did it. I signed up for and was selected as an elections officer. When I heard Shay Moss talk about going to the polls with her grandma, it made me remember my own biennial trips to the voting site with my mother and grandmother and finally remember the older ladies and the stickers, the ones that say I voted. As a child, I thought one day I'll be the lady who passes out the stickers. I did it. I'm going to be the sticker lady. Seriously, I'm so excited to be a Democrat after many years on the other side and doing my part to ensure democracy works. Katie, that's amazing. Thank you, AG, for encouraging me to do my part. I would like to challenge everyone to volunteer to be active in this election. Love to you all. Excellent job, Katie. That's just so great. Thank you for volunteering. So brave these days. And thanks, everybody, for sending in your stories and your uh, pet photos and sharing uh, your dog fosters. I'm really... Really, really grateful for all of you. Thank you so much. Dana will be back tomorrow, I promise. <laughs> I promise. And um, gosh, until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>